So she made sure no one was available to be with her. That's a fairly visible thing. Somebody was waiting with him for her to pick up, you know, in that 30-second exchange that morning. I said, did nobody kind of question that this is contrary to all your protocols? All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. It is a, uh, another fine episode of your favorite weekly Alabama political podcast that we creatively named Alabama Politics This Week. I am Josh Moon, uh, and the person that makes this whole thing go is... <laughs> Wait, is that me? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's certainly not the other guy who couldn't bother to be here today. <laughs> David Person, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about making the whole thing go, but... <laughs> oh, you do make the whole thing go. Don't, don't sell yourself short. We all know it. Uh, listen, we got a good show. Uh, yeah, man, man, we are going to be so newsy on this show. Yes. You won't believe all the newsy we are. You know, yes. we're so newsy. We got four. We got four newsies on this yeah. thing. Me, David, uh, Carol Robinson from AL.com, and Brian Lawson from WHNT. We're going to talk about the wild and wonderful whites of uh, northern Alabama. Um, yeah. yeah, I know, man. That is, God, that is a tough, tough deal. I, I've got some questions. I got some real, real questions yeah. uh, about, you know, about what, and, and they may not be able to answer them. I, you know, I don't mm. know, uh, because I just... You know that that whole deal, the whole thing where they took off together, the yeah. the spray painting of the damn car, <laughs> the six days in Evansville, mm. six days in Evansville. No well, people yeah. who live in Evansville wouldn't spend six days there. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, Evansville's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, not the, it's not the capital of fun and sun. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I just don't. You know, I I I, and we'll go over it more with them, but certainly, yeah. but. I, what was the goal? What was the end game here? I sure, surely it was not Evansville, Indiana. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. It just is so so weird. But uh, regardless, uh, we also have other things. We got gambling stuff. We got uh, right wing nut of the week, and we'll start with uh, Mike Durant. Yeah, man. Um, uh, so I went. Uh, I went to North Carolina last week, um, mm. and I flew up there. <laughs> Which, yeah, if you know me, <laughs> you mm. know that that is not something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and interviewed uh, Mary Ryan, uh, who uh, Mary Durant Ryan, who is Mike Durant's sister. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with this story, uh, which, you know, I know that we have a lot of progressives and Democrats that listen to, to us uh, each week. And so they may be unfamiliar with the backstory of a Republican Senate candidate. Uh, so... Um, uh, Mary Durant or Mary Ryan was uh, molested by their father, uh, her father, Mike Durant's father, um, for the majority of her life, uh, her young life, uh, from the time uh, two years old uh, up until after she went to college, when she would return home on the weekends. This still continued. Mm. Um, so, so years and years. She was also she revealed during this interview uh, with me that she was also molested by her grandfather uh, for mm. a period of years. Mm. Um, and um, so this this went on, and finally, when she was into her twenties, um, she had received enough therapy and uh, gone through enough things, and she felt it was time to confront her father and inform her family of what had taken place. And uh, you know, she wanted to to heal to you know an attempt to heal herself, but also she said because she was concerned that her father was 
would continue on and there would be additional victims in the future. Um, and she wanted to put a stop to it. And so uh, the first person she informed of this was her brother, uh, Mike Durant, who, you know, of course, reasonably, reasonably uh, did not, you know, believe, could not believe it, could not, could not wrap his head around that this, this took place in the house uh, that he was in. So he had no idea. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll take him at his word. Uh, she she seemed to believe that he he did not know. Um, she does not hold the same opinion of her mother. Uh, she believes her mother absolutely did know and and refused to to do anything about it. Mm. Um, and um, mm. and blamed her mother for a lot of the uh, problems that went on afterwards. Um, then uh, it's, this was in ninety one ninety two right around in that time frame uh, ninety three. Um, I, I, well, I'm sorry, uh, Durant. Uh, eventually goes and confronts his father uh, after a family reunion. And the father confesses to him that all of this is true, uh, that Mary's mm-hmm. not making it up. It's all true. Uh, Mary then has a confrontation with her father and um, that uh, she presents him with an agreement that he must sign. Uh, the agreement has several stipulations in which uh, he has to seek treatment uh, for the abuse. He has to seek treatment for alcoholism. Uh, he has to pay for her therapy. Uh, he has to do a number of different things. Um, and he signs it, agrees to everything, uh, you know, and which, as she points out, is quite the written confession in and of itself, um, you know, that he agreed to these things and, and, and did this. Uh, but she was going to prosecute. She was going to prosecute him. Um, and so, uh, some time goes by in the midst of which, um, Mike Durant gets captured in Somalia, the uh, helicopter crashes that he's in. He gets captured, held hostage for, I believe 11 days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, uh, you know, and is a national figure at that point. Uh, and after his return home from Somalia becomes somewhat of a national hero is certainly promoted by the army as a national hero. And, um, and I think everybody at that point had sent, I saw the coverage. I remember seeing the coverage of him being captured in Somalia back in, uh, in 93 and, uh, this going on. Um, during the midst of this, some things happened with the family. Uh, even prior to him being uh, captured, some things were going on where they were slowly starting to gravitate back towards the father um, and and push Mary, the victim, out um, and and turn kind of turn their backs on her. And you know, and she says this because uh, I, I, I could not wrap my head around such a thing. And, and but she says, quite frankly, and listen, if you haven't seen the, the videos, uh, we have the videos up on the website at uh, Alabama Political Reporter. Uh, go and watch her interview. Uh, uh, it's she's one of the most impressive people that I have ever interviewed. Um, I mean, just the straightforward candidness of the whole thing was. Uh, it just it, it takes you back. It takes you know, it takes you a second to uh you know you're so surprised. I was so surprised by just how straightforward she was with with mm. everything. Um, and she said, you know, listen, this is uh, it's a hard thing to deal with in a family. Uh, you know, you have these things that are going on, and and this is so shocking, and it's so embarrassing, and it's so hard to to comprehend that most in a lot of families, uh, they just want to push it to the side and not think about it. Um, you know, and, and if you have a person there who, who wants to tell people this happened, 
you know, and if so they can recover from this and, and heal, uh, a lot of the time the reaction is, you know, is to dislike that person and push them aside uh, mm-hmm. because they're forcing you to think about something you don't want to think about. And, and that's what they did to her. And they were pulling away from her. And then after the Somalia thing, some things went on um, uh, during the midst of his uh, captivity where she spoke, uh, gave some interviews, uh, even though the military asked her not to give any interviews. And she said, you know, basically kiss my ass off, give an interview if I want to, you don't control me, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is probably the attitude I would have as well. But oh, yeah, she's uh, a and, civilian. She's, yeah, she's, she's a civilian. Yeah. And she was said she was uh, legitimately concerned that her brother's story would fade from the front page and he would be held captive longer uh, if she didn't say anything. She never mentioned the abuse from her father. She didn't make it about her. She just wanted to talk about her brother and how scared the family was for him and how much they wanted him out and all that. So, you know, and I've seen some of the interviews and, and she's right. Uh, there was never anything mentioned about their father in these things. So uh, a few months past that, she then realizes that her father is never going to honor the terms of that original agreement. Paid for a handful of therapy sessions, but that was about it. Uh, the only treatment for alcoholism he ever received was when the National Guard, which he was a part of, uh, realized that he was uh, had, a, had a pretty bad drinking problem. I believe uh, he showed up there to, to work. Uh, drunk a couple of times. And so they intervened on him, forced him into, uh, into an alcohol treatment program that he went to. That was the extent of his compliance with the agreement. And so she then at that point, uh, attempted to, um, she attempted, uh, to press criminal charges against him. Uh, but of course the state told her that the statute of limitations had recently expired on that. She couldn't do so. And so that her only option was going to be a civil suit. So she filed suit for $5 million against her parents. Um, and you know, it, um, it got a lot of attention because it was Mike Durant's, you know, national hero, Mike Durant's sister has filed this lawsuit against her father. And they, they did a, uh, uh, a TV interview. Um, what she was doing this TV interview with American Journal, which is a news magazine uh, production, um, but it is now no longer around. And so she interviewed, told her story about this, and then they interviewed Mike, and Mike essentially discredited it, her, uh, made it seem as though she was just over-exaggerating this whole thing that uh, said, literally said in the interview, oh, listen, my father was a good father. Uh, Yes, he spanked us, but that was the extent of it. Uh, There was never anything like what Mary said uh, happened in there. He's not the monster that she's made him out to be. Mm. Uh, He admitted to some terrible things, but, uh, you know, it it wasn't as bad as she made it out to be. Mm. And just cut it. You know what I mean? I mean, just mm-hmm. cut her legs completely out from underneath her. Um, and, and, what, then, and, and just to clarify, Josh, what year was that when he did that? That was 94. That was in okay. 94. Yeah. And, and the AP um, at that point, the Associated Press, wrote some stories about this. Uh, and that's how I found out about it was because these Associated Press stories are still very, very easy to find. You Google mm-hmm. up Mike Durant on some stuff and they're not, you know, it doesn't take you long to get to those stories. Uh, they're, they're not quite, you, you got to search a little bit to find the more detailed field ones, but there are some out there that mention this lawsuit and, mm-hmm. and it's like, whoa, what, you know? And so then you go digging and, and it doesn't take you very long to figure this out. And, uh, and so that's where I came about this, uh, this story because the AP reported on it and was like, 
like, you know, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know, here and and uh, Mary, of course, had letters from her brother in which he was apologizing to her for not initially believing him or mm-hmm. uh, believing her and and that, uh, you know, how sorry he was and, you know, and acknowledging the abuse. And so this was all out there. And then he just became this hostile ass towards her because she would not let it go. Let go of the 17 years of incest that she suffered, you know. How right. dare she not let it go um, and make his life easier? And, I mean, to the point now where he reestablishes a connection with his father, moves forward with him, takes his children, his young girls, around this man, um, and ha- cuts off contact with Mary completely. Um, that there were a few times they were thrust together over the years. Her father was dying at one point and, uh, and she actually had to go and, and take care of her dying father because her mother and brother were incapable of doing it. Um, and, um, well, wait a minute. You say her mother and brother were incapable. Uh-huh. Why was, why was Durant incapable? Just, uh, didn't know how to handle it. It was, uh, he, he was dying of cancer. Uh, he was at home, uh, did not want to, had foregone, um, uh, treatment. And, um, I, you know, was, uh, uh, they were just kind of incapable of handling what was taking place there at the house. And so oh, she's a nurse. Emotionally or something. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I think some physically as well too. I mean, you know, it, but with, they didn't have the, the medical knowledge to do this. And so she was at, uh, uh, she was at a nurse. So she went there and, uh, and she took care at the request of her mother and brother, she took care of their, of the man who had molested her her entire life. And I, mm. I will say as well, prior just prior to this, she said she had done a lot of spiritual work and all this kind of stuff, in which she calls it now mumbo-jumbo. I did a lot of spiritual mumbo-jumbo, uh, and I came to this conclusion that I needed uh, to forgive my parents and my brother for what they did. She said, oh, yeah, that's right. I needed to forgive them. So she was like, I just, uh, so I wanted to get past it. And so that I felt like this was the best way at the time. I know now better than this, she said, but uh, she said, so she called him and the intent of the phone call was to say, I forgive you for what happened. Um, and I, you know, I would like to talk to you some in the future, maybe not right now and hang up the phone and get and, and move away from. Them. So she did that, called her parents, uh, said that they were ecstatic. Her father, in particular, was ecstatic. Uh, was you know apologized and apologized and was apologetic and wanted to have a relationship with her. wanted to wanted to do these things. Uh, you know wanted to try to make some sort of amends. Uh, said he was basically desperate at that point because it had been sixteen years at that mm. at that time since they had spoken. Uh, she also called her brother, uh, Mike, who told her, "Yeah, I'm I'm busy right now. I don't have time for this," and hung up the phone. Mm. I, I mean. You know what I mean, man? And so mm. um, I, I don't, I can't, I can't, I kept asking her, how can that be, Mary? How can, how can this be? How can this be that, that he is behaving this way towards you? Mm-hmm. And I mean, she was very matter of fact. And I mean, she got emotional during the interview, you know, a few times. Uh, but I mean, when, when she spoke of that, it was, it was very matter of fact, very, you know, this is just. It was too hard for him to handle. He couldn't wrap his head around these things. It was it was too much for him, and and he just wanted to to you know basically everything that he should have felt about our father as the perpetrator here. He pushed those feelings off on me. It was a, mm. a, not an exact quote, but a you know a pretty good paraphrase of what she yeah. said. Um, and um, yeah, man. So it's well. Uh, 
You know, a few things come to mind, Josh. First of all, let me start by saying great job on your end to uh, get this interview, which I think is going to be important, you know, journalistically for this state and for the nation, since we're talking about a U.S. Senate seat. So great job by you and by uh, Alabama political reporter. Um, Now, you know, I'm going to say this. I mean, a lot of families go through variations of this story. You know, a lot of families have this in somewhere embedded in their in their family history. And this is difficult. It's difficult for everybody. And and I have to de- I have a a degree of sympathy for Mike Durant in that uh now first of all, let me say it should be understood that I, I I jumped immediately to Mike Durant because we're we're going to get into the politics of this, but yes. I hope everybody understands that it's it should go without saying that mm-hmm. my primary sympathy, the overwhelming majority of my sympathy, mm-hmm. goes to Mary, his sister. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that should go without saying. Um, you know. I mean, God for, you know, I've talked to many women through the years and some I've dated and been involved with romantically and whatever, who have been victimized in this way by somebody in their family or, or, or some, you know, some, you know, similar situation. This is horrific. It's horrific. So, you know, God bless her, and I, you know, I, I hope that she continues to heal, and I'm sure talking to you was cathartic on some level. But I also have a, a level of sympathy for Mike Durant, the teenager, who, or the, or the young man, who, when confronted with this information, then had to process all of this, stuff mm-hmm. that, he, that he says he wasn't aware of, and there's no reason to disbelieve him on that. You know, I have sympathy for that Mike Durant. The Mike Durant I have no sympathy for is the Mike Durant who, after knowing for years, not just because of what his sister said, but because of what his father told him, Mm -hmm. the Mike Durant that then began to discredit his sister and dismiss her experience and her truth. Mm-hmm. That's the Mike Durant I have no sympathy for. Yeah. No yeah. sympathy for him at all. And and I have to question based in, you know, and I and you can help me here because you know way more about this than the story than I do. I have to question if his dismissiveness and denial and callousness was was directly correlated to his political ambitions or his business ambitions. And if that is the case, that is the character of a person who, in my mind, is absolutely unsuited to represent the people of this state or any other state. Yeah. Well, I think that there's no, there's no simple Mm. answer for that. 
Um, I think that there is probably a combination of things. I think that it's what Mary says. Um, I, 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 you know, she's been through the years of therapy with this and, and has, has spoken to so many people and so many other incest survivors and things that, uh, you know, I think she has a much better grasp on kind of what goes through the minds of, of siblings and, and, and fa- family members than, mm-hmm. uh, than I ever will. Um, and so I think that when she says it was, this thing was, uh, it was much easier to push her aside because you just push aside the embarrassing part. I think that that is true. I also do think, um, and she does as well, uh, think that there is a component here of this was more convenient for Mike in his professional capacity um, because it's you know he's written books about his captivity and his life uh, and portrayed his father as somewhat of a hero. Um, and talked about their great relationship together. Um, you know, and his father was in the National Guard. And, and so this was a military family, you know, and this was a, this was an image that was very favorable mm-hmm. for him to put out there. Um, I, I don't believe this was the sole purpose for him doing this it, it, uh, in any way, but I do believe it was a very convenient tack to take for him um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of his career and, and moving forward and, and what the Army wanted, you know, what the military wanted out of this after Somalia because I, she makes a point at one, at one time in there and saying, you know, they needed this hero and Mike uh, out there because you know she said let's be honest what took place in Somalia was a pretty big screw up which killed uh, several mm-hmm. American soldiers his friends um, and and so if you have this hero who survives this captivity and this hostage situation and you bring him back and it's a hero celebration type thing that distracts from this big screw up that took place over here. And so it's like, you know, I mm. said that, that was also part of it. And, um, you know, and, and so she said, you know, it, <clears throat> there was a, uh, and you know, this is what I tell you what gets me, man, about the whole thing. This is, this is what gets me about the whole thing is the lack of understanding by Mike Durant of even his own sister. And, and I, I mean it like this. He has to know after all this time, and all of the things that Mary has done and all of the things that she has said, uh, even, I mean, even during these interviews, you can hear, I mean, we've got the full interview up so people can hear it and, not, and, and nobody can say, it's out of context, mm-hmm. you know, it's out of context, nonsense. Um, uh, so they can hear what she says. And even during this interview, you'll hear her, you know, make, I don't want to say make excuses for him, but, you know, uh, blame other people for some of his actions and say and talk about how he was this or that, or, you know, he was influenced by this person. Uh, she blames her mother for a lot of this, uh, for influencing him. If you don't understand that all it would have taken here is a simple phone call to her to say, Hey, I, you know, let's, let's try to bury the hatchet. You know, uh, let's, let's try to, let's try to do something. Uh, here with this at any point in the last 30 years if he had done that she would have forgiven him and Mm. they would have a relationship today um he wouldn't have had to do anything uh, for it especially after their father died he died in 2010 you know and so he's had 11 years since 12 years since then to to reach out and just say hey you know i'm sorry uh you know I, i i didn't know how to deal with it uh, can we just put it behind us a little bit and, and let's try to move forward and have some relationships. So, you know, my kids, I know your kids, we get together, um, you know, and, and it would have killed all of this, all of this problem, you know, and, and that lack of, and, and, you know, and, but 
he didn't do it. And even still today on interviews, he's talking about how he, had, he was a good father to him and how we, nobody understands the entire family is estranged from Mary because of things she did. And I'm like, the hell could she have done? Did she right. molest somebody right. for 17 right. years? You know, what could she have done? If you were able to forgive that, what right. could she have possibly and that's done? Another, you know? Before we run out of time, because I know we're about to, that's another key point. He's never said, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's never said, uh, you know, uh, or denied that he had this direct knowledge from his father. So, so then to me, no. what that says is he's accepted that as a truth, but then discounted the, the gravity of that and the impact on his sister and just treated it as something that could easily be dismissed. And something we should all, we shouldn't worry mm-hmm. about that because there are more important things like my business or my political career or something like mm-hmm. that. More important than having, as you're saying, a healthy, functional relationship with his sister who was victimized by two men, according to her, her father and her grandfather. Yeah. And that. Yeah. And he knows that for a fact as well. He knows about the grandfather for a fact as well because other people in the family were also yeah. molested by and, the grandfather. And, see, I and they think, told him. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, well, I know we're out of time. I'll just say this. Uh, that That's, the, the, the family culture there is very disturbing. And, um, and that, yeah. and that, uh, and that also speaks perhaps to what, this denial or dismissiveness that he's he's uh, engaging in. Very sad, but to me it makes yeah. him not a suitable candidate for U.S. Senate. I'll say that. No. Uh, I, I, it speaks to his character, I think, and, and to what he's done and, and the fact that she said mm. he's never said, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry for what happened to you. I'm sorry for... Uh, you know, for not believing you, I'm, I'm sorry for you know for that. I'm, I'm sorry for what I did. It's it, he's never you know he was obviously not involved in the abuse itself, but you know that doesn't absolve him of of some complicity at, at later on in, in how she feels and how she has been forced to handle this basically by herself. So, all right, let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back and uh, and get into the uh, to the manhunt for the whites and uh, with the people who followed it closest. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and uh, we are about to be so newsy uh, that I don't, I'm not even sure it's allowed uh, because we have actual reporters uh, here, uh, people that, that go out and, and talk to folks and, and get news and things. Uh, uh, I mean, this, this is a, uh, uh, quite a treat. Brian Lawson, WHNT, Carol Robinson from, uh, from AL.com joins us now. Two of the best, um, in yeah. the business. Um, I, I gotta say, uh, we're going to talk about the manhunt, um, the escape, the manhunt, the capture, the death, of of the whites, uh, Casey and Vicky, uh, and obviously there were of no relation, but possibly could have been by the end of this. Um, and 
I guess, uh, Carol, if it's okay, we'll start with you. Um, uh, when, when you first saw this story, uh, and they, they were breaking out, I guess kind of talk about how you got involved with it and, and what you thought initially. I was actually on vacation. I was at the beach and <laughs> nice. I got a call. I got a call Friday afternoon, um, for just from a source who, you know, was not tied to any of this, but he's like, Hey, we, it was a law enforcement source. He goes, I, I just got an alert on my phone that a jailer in Lauderdale County was taking a capital murder suspect to a hearing and now they're missing. And so that was my, this was probably an hour before the story broke. So I, and I was on vacation, so I was not involved in the first couple of days other than to immediately call a coworker and say, this is weird. You know, my very first thought was he's taken her, he's killed her, you know, mm-hmm. but within mm-hmm. the hour I was texting my coworker going and, and what my exact words were, do you think there's hanky panky involved? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which dates me, which dates me. I know. He oh. said, no, they're not acting like that. But then he texted me back and said, uh, you hit the nail on the head. So Right, right, uh, and Brian, you you were you're local up here, so this is in your backyard. Uh, what what I guess the same kind of question: Where were you, and how'd you get involved? Yeah, backyard is an interesting term. The shoals are a little bit of a distance from Huntsville, and so mm-hmm. every day during this, you know, kind of extensive manhunt, we had a discussion in our newsroom: Who's going to the shoals today? <laughs> so um, we had a we had an on the ground reporter in the shoals, Addison Wilman, who's a young guy. And he was thrown right in the middle of the story. And, you know, 11 days in, he's he's got a little bit of a Hanoi Hilton glaze in his eyes, but he's still doing it, man. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. You know, it. Um, I, I, have, I have a, after reading everything, and I've read a lot about this, uh, what more than I care to admit. Uh, so I mean, I'm kind of ashamed of, of reading so much about this. But um, I, th- there are still a lot of questions uh, that I have. And I guess... Uh, since we're, we're starting at the beginning here, and this is for uh, for either one of you that, uh, that 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 know this or have have talked to the the sheriff there in Lauderdale County and can answer the, uh, this question, why was first of all it, it's come out that they they had some sort of relationship uh, in the jail uh, that no one knew about and it had been going on for some time. Um, why was a single female jailer? Taking, I mean, and when I say single, I mean just the, the one person, not that she was single and available. But why was why was one person escorting a capital murder suspect uh, by herself over to the courthouse for an appointment? I mean, this, what the sheriff says is she she planned it that way. She assigned all of the other deputies. You know, she was the, the assistant commander that morning. Friday is a busy court day, and she deliberately assigned all of her. Oh those under her to have other tasks at the moment that oh. that's taking place. So she made sure no one was available to be with her. Yeah, that tracks with what I learned as well. I, I Carol's had great sourcing on this all the way through. The one thing that I asked the sheriff on top of that was, that's a fairly visible thing. Somebody was waiting with him for her to pick up, you know, in that 30 second exchange that morning. I said, did nobody kind of question that this is contrary to all your protocols? And the sheriff kind of blamed it on sort of the human problem of you don't want to contradict your boss, which I thought was interesting, too. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can, I can understand. I mean, you got a you know your person that's in charge uh, there, and so we're we're we're. I, I know that they said they talked to inmates, and the inmates were were the ones that told them about this relationship. So I'm assuming that all of the other people, her coworkers there, were totally. Uh, I won't use. I'm going to use ignorant, but not in a negative way. Were ignorant of, of this relationship that they had. It appears to be the case. I mean. They said the inmates came forward on the day after the escape. I don't. I don't know how that happens either. So, excuse me. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I was just going to say the sheriff. Um, he talked a little bit about that sort of quasi investigation right afterward, and he said a lot of inmates will come forward, hoping for privileges and that kind of thing. So they had to sort of navigate what was true versus what was made up so somebody might get some benefit down the line. That's literally what the sheriff said, that they weren't even sure as inmates came forward to describe it, you know, how true it was. Do you have the sense that uh, this guy was grooming her for this moment? Or is this something that just developed, uh, I'm going to say organically, just by virtue of them sort of being in the same space at the same time? and a relationship just kind of developed. Let me ask you guys, sorry, Dave, let me ask you guys that. I I, 100% think that. I think she was vulnerable. I think that his life story, this is all consistent with it. And her life story, this is completely inconsistent with it. So something unusual took place there. Um, but But the characterization that we got of her from a lawyer who was in the jail a lot, said that she was a nice woman, she looked out for inmates, was compassionate, and was also somebody who was pretty lonely. I guess her husband died, her ex-husband died in January. She'd cared for him for a long time. Hmm. So it, it, A, isn't consistent with her you know, record, but it is consistent with somebody who's awfully alone and maybe you know, in a point to be suggestible for the first time in her life. And, and that's just my read of it. It doesn't mean I'm right, but that it doesn't make much sense to me otherwise. And see, I have the opposite impression. <laughs> um, I initially believed, you know, he had had targeted her, groomed her, but you know, after watching him and speaking with his former attorney, you know, who's been very forthcoming about uh, Casey White and his his personality. Um, I, I got the impression he's not smart enough to plan that, to, to think, oh, I'm going to make this woman fall in love with me and break me out of here. I, you know, this relationship started two years ago, likely when he was in Lauderdale County in 2020. And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think she was lonely, you know, and had no social life, but I don't think it was part of Casey White's master plan when they struck up this relationship, whatever that was. Now, you know, I, I just don't, I think, I think she fell for him. Mm. God knows why. That makes, that makes sense. The only reason I, I feel like there's another wrinkle here. I keep hearing him characterized as, you know, not very bright, that kind of thing. But he went from state prison where he says he was getting stabbed on the regular to figuring out a way to get back to a jail setting where he was more comfortable and then get moved right. to a jail setting again where he was more comfortable. So I I I think you could find a an argument for that version. I, I do tend to think though that he's got more upstairs 
maybe it's strictly a criminal sociopath kind of thing, but he's got more upstairs than I think his lawyers crediting him with. Hmm. Now, the, the, um, the news reports say that uh, authorities believe she killed herself. Do we have any reason to think otherwise, that perhaps he killed her? I, I don't. If you, I mean, it, you know, obviously the, the coroner ruled it that way, but if you listen really closely, and I'm one of those weirdos that listens to the audio and watch the body cams over and over, mm. um, you hear the officer say there was an exit wound in the top of her head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would be really hard for somebody else to pull off. Mm-hmm. Just the trajectory of the, of the bullet. I thought it was interesting that, you know, right out of the car, they were saying that he was making it clear to the police. He was trying to tell them he didn't shoot her. Um, like Carol, we listened to the 911 call. And it's a weird thing. Um, we, we've spent the last 24 hours kicking around the idea that she's got the gun in her hand, but she doesn't sound, I don't know, fatalistic or this mm-hmm. is the end of the line. She sounds scared. And and this is really not worth much, but we were trying to sort out if the vehicle flipping over led to the gun going off. It was in her hand, mm-hmm. I think indisputably. And just the way, like there wasn't any last words, anything like that. It seemed kind of abrupt and, and it could have played out just like the coroner said, but it it did leave us with some questions. I've asked him if he's got any additional evidence that points to why it was a suicide. I get it was self-inflicted, but I wonder if it was intentional. I really do. Right. Yeah, yeah, because she said yeah, she she's on there talking about how um, you know we we should have just stayed at the hotel. Let's get out and run, uh, you know, and and then all of a sudden it rolls and and that's a wrap. And that just it's it's a very weird. You're right. It's a very very weird sequence of events. So one one final question from me. Uh, this is uh, this this podcast is ultimately about Alabama politics. So I have to ask uh, a political question, and that is: Are there going to be any ramifications for the sheriff in this case, or for some other elected official in Lauderdale County, or appointed official in Lauderdale County because of what has happened here? My understanding is the sheriff is not running for reelection. I think in a different year, or if he were standing for office, it could be, you know, enormously complicated for him. But he's not standing for election. Um, so when we ask about housing Casey White for his, you know, expected murder trial there, he's talking about talking, talking, to, talking about talking with DOC and that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that. The DA has been on the defensive a little bit talking about why he was in the jail because he couldn't get access to his lawyers in the state prison system. So there's certainly, I think, ill feeling up there. There's not necessarily a ready target is what I wonder. Yeah, and having dealt with the Department of Corrections a lot and the, and the back and forth between them and, and county facilities, um, there, there's probably a whole story uh, back behind this about you know, transferring people back and forth where there could be a lot of blame placed on a lot of people for different things. And, uh, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, at the end of this, I think everybody had the, the same question. I mean, I think there were a lot of questions to be had, but I think everyone had this question. Evansville, Indiana. 
Uh, that's, you know, six days in Evansville? What the hell are y'all doing, you know? Yeah, um, that's all you got? Yeah. I mean, 90 grand in a car and you end up in Evansville, you know? Uh, was it, uh, the, you know, it's honest. Uh, the stories that I've read, it, it kind of sounds as though they were most interested in hanging together in the hotel room and the hanky panky that Carol mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, does, do you think that's the case or were they, they just didn't have a plan past that? I don't think they were prepared for the national attention on it. I, I, I think they may have misjudged how high profile their escapade would be. Um, I thought she would have had a better plan than she did. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Carol on both those points. I, I started ascribing real cleverness to them, you know, a few days in. Like, I just thought, right, these, right. these guys, this is like Danny Ocean and his guys, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I wondered about, um, I thought the car switch on Friday was pretty interesting. I didn't think it was a breakdown and it turned not to be a break, turned out not to be a breakdown, but it ended up maybe leading to their capture with the VIN numbers. Um, I like you guys, I thought they'd be quite a ways down the road with the kind of money that they had and the head start. Really, that's the most interesting thing. The head start that they got. Yeah. Uh, in that press conference the other day, the sheriff seemed a little chagrined that they'd been in Evansville that long and a little annoyed that Evansville was seen as a backwater. He, he talked about what a big community it was and what a crossroads <laughs> it was and that kind of thing. So that was a Kind of a backhanded swipe at, at everybody questioning Evansville. Uh, well, I mean, you know, when you're in Lauderdale County, I mean, maybe, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's Evansville. It's, it's, I've been there. It's not, you know, I mean, they got a lot, lot of nice car washes, I guess, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not a metropolis. Uh, you know, I tell you uh, honestly, uh, Brian, you said I, I was 100% like you. Uh, where I thought, oh man, they they've planned this damn thing out. They're going. Uh, th these guys are going to be on the run. They're going to be in a cabin in Gatlinburg or on a beach somewhere, um, you know. And I tell you, when mine, uh, when I started to change my feelings on this and, and see if if either one of you uh, felt the same. And that's when I found out they tried to spray paint the damn car. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I learned that they tried to spray paint the car, that was it for me. I thought, no, they, they don't have a real plan here. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I, at first, I thought, you know, they're already in Canada. Everybody yeah. was saying Mexico, but there was no way those two could blend in in Mexico. Mm -mm. You know, where the average height's like five, what, five, six, five, five. Excuse me, Carl, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I even had a theory for the spray paint. I figured she knew somebody from the jail and had paid them 500 bucks to drive the car somewhere random. Mm -hmm. And the unreliable driver, you know, was supposed to paint the car and did about 10 seconds worth of spraying and took off. So I had, no, that was, that was part of my confidence <laughs> in their, in their team. So <laughs> I went on a more serious note though, real quickly, I, I did wonder if, if, you know, he had been described as being part of a Southern brotherhood in the prison system. Mm -hmm. I wondered about a white supremacist network that maybe would have kind of kept them on the back roads and on the down low. And doesn't sound like that played into it at all either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I genuinely thought it was, I mean, this is, I mean, this is basically a justified episode. Uh, I mean, you know, oh. it, it really is, uh, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, this I is all the characters got, you know, you've got the, 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 the KKK or the white supremacy angle with, with uh -huh. the guy and the, you know, the jailer breaking him out and the whole manhunt with the, with the marshal service. And, uh, and let me just say, 
once you find out that the marshal service is looking for you, just go ahead and turn yourself in. Yeah, because it's over. God, man, those dudes are so good. I read the accounting uh, from from the head marshal guy that was in charge of this, the head U.S. marshals guy, and I mean. When he went, I don't know if I'd have gone into that much detail describing what, you know, how they, how they handled the manhunt, but I'm glad he did because, I mean, it was so revealing. All of the people that they spread out everywhere in Evansville, it didn't take them. They were looking for that truck in parking lots and it was just, or that car, the Cadillac. Uh, it, it took them just a matter of, uh, of you know, hours to, to locate it uh, after they got that, uh, the VIN number and found the other one at the, at the car wash, which, what the hell? Why would you leave it at the car wash? You know, I just want to know where the other sixty thousand dollars is. Yeah, yeah. What did they do? I mean, you know, I know that they went to the sex toy shop, but I mean, that's a big purchase, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's hundred dollars <laughs> max. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, money, yeah. the money is super interesting. I, I should say too that that afternoon, as it was kind of clear that they were in a chase and we had an affiliate up there and there's a affiliate in Indiana, excuse me, Indianapolis, that's close by that we were getting reports from, but they're going into custody or being taken into custody and, and the chase being ended. I learned that from Carol Robinson. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I learned a lot from Carol confirmation Robinson. So. That we got on that. That was the first place we heard it. Yeah. 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 She's, she, she's got good sources. She knows, she knows what she's doing. Uh, at, uh, you know, I, that's who I go to on, on the Twitters, uh, when I'm wanting to know stuff about law enforcement. Um, hey, hey Josh, you know, Brian and I used to work at the Huntsville times together, uh, many years ago. And I cannot imagine ever a police source calling me and saying to me, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Brian, do you think that ever would have been your experience? It's a little hard to picture, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not every tip is solid gold either. So yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You get you yeah, get a lot true. of them. They're a little screwy. That's true. That's uh, true. No, it's now it. You know, I, I'm with y'all with the with the money, uh, the money portion of this thing. The, uh, you know, and just the, you know, I, it's my understanding that that her mother is is still in around in this general area, North Alabama area. Um, and, and, and her know, mother you, literally lives in her front yard. I mean, oh, we were really? out at the house this week and, you know, there's just a couple, you know, mm-hmm. 20 yards between the two houses. Uh, has she said anything? She, she did not talk to me, Brian. Did she talk to y'all? No. Um, the closest we got last night, we, we had a, a kid swing by a couple times this week trying to trying to figure out what we could but um we asked the sheriff last night about he had spoken to her and he said this was a short it was a short conversation he offered his condolences and that was it so i don't get the impression that she's doing well at all yeah it's 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 easy i know to to kind of get caught up in the spectacle of it and and forget that there there are actual people with with feelings involved in this thing and and so i know that uh that her mother has to be devastated and and the rest of her family members have to be and because that, that seems like it was just a completely out of character deal for her and she just got caught up in whatever that was Mm, so tragic it is it is but listen i Y'all, I appreciate y'all coming on and uh, and doing this and uh, you know cause and and the work because uh, I followed both of you. Uh, you know, I when when it was 
I'll go to Carol's stuff for police things, but I honest, I swear to God, this is true. When it's North Alabama stuff, I say, I'll see what Brian's got. Uh, and uh, then go to the WHNT website and look it up. And, and matter of fact, I, that's literally what I told David yesterday. I, I said, when we were trying to decide who to get on, I said, you know, I went to H&T and tried to see if Brian had done anything on this, but I didn't see anything uh, right, uh, immediately. And so uh, that's how we got in touch. And so I encourage everybody to do the same because this is good information and uh, it's the best that you can get from two who are the best in the business. And we appreciate you guys coming on and spending some time and trying to break this thing down. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you both on. And anytime there's any big investigative investigative work going on at uh, Channel 19, the CBS affiliate here in Huntsville, Brian Lawson is involved. He's yeah. probably directing it, if not, yeah. on, you know, if not, yeah. you know. Uh, no stop now. That's that's plenty. Thank you very yeah, much. Listen, well, yeah, listen, you paid true. us for this. I mean, we got to say it. Yeah, so, true. I mean. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I've been a fan of his for years, though. Uh, Carol, well, good to meet you, and thanks for joining us today. You too. Thanks, guys. That's, uh, yeah, take care. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, listen, they 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 are the they are the best at that. And and this story was so insane, man. I mean, it just uh, you know, and honestly, I tried to set it aside a few times. I tried to just get you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna keep doing this. I'm not. I can't keep going with this. Um, and uh, and but I always picked it back up. There was always something else interesting. And I I could not believe that they spent six days in Evansville. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Uh, it's just I, I don't know, man. And I mean, though, uh, it seemed as though the marshal service uh, person there that uh, that was interviewed about this, uh, he seemed to believe that they, they were just kind of hanging out in the hotel. Uh, I believe they said that they got fourteen days. They had purchased fourteen days at that hotel or motel, mm. whatever it was. Mm. Um, and so, I don't know, man. It's a it's a weird weird situation. And but what um, a tragic end to her life. I mean, I, I know, just man. you know, um, God. I mean, I'm just so sorry. And as I listened to uh, the description of her that, you know, we we gave in this conversation, I just thought, my God, that's just so sad. Yeah. You know, such a sad ending. And somebody who probably, you know, just got, you know, again, I don't know if he was, you know, groomer or not. You know, Carol and Brian have different views on that. But for sure, whether whether she was groomed or not, she certainly fell prey to feelings mm-hmm. based on probably a deep-rooted need. I just I, my heart breaks for her and for her family. Yeah, my you know it, you know learning you know that her 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 husband had passed away recently. Yeah, um, you know after she had cared for him for a long time, it's got to be an emotional thing and. Um, you know, and, and listen, no, this is not an excuse, uh, for, we're right. not excusing away what, what right. she did. Don't, you know, get that twisted about this. Uh, you know, she did a bad thing. She made a yeah. bad, bad decision. Um, but, but heartbroken you know, people do bad things or, yeah. or make bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, we've all made bad decisions. You know, we, yeah, all, we all do. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, You're maybe right. not to that degree. I didn't throw right. it all away for six days in Evansville. Right. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's Evansville. <laughs> Just you know, I mean, my God, you know, I mean, you were did did you spend did you have to spend days in Evansville that you didn't want to spend? Is that why? Yes, as a matter of fact, up? I did. Yes, uh, I did. I did. I did have to do that. Yeah, um, uh, and, and you know, it's just a. Uh, uh, I it it's it is I, honestly I, when I heard that she had killed herself, I was. Mm. 
surprisingly sad about mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, obviously you're sad for her, but I mean, I was surprisingly, you know, kind of touched by the the, the whole thing. Just the, you know, that it was that she had done that and that she had wasted. I mean, just thrown away her life that she had built yeah. over the course yeah. of so many years, and you know, for for this short term situation and. You know, I, I just uh, that there was obviously no plan. There was obviously no, um, you know, no, no grand scheme that they had planned this thing out. And you know, uh, I just I don't know. I think uh, just it's it's very disturbing. But anyway, a, a, a thoroughly captivating uh, story uh, that sure. was just uh, you know got my attention. And I think the attention of a lot of people. So, all right, thanks, Carol and Brian, for uh, for for doing that. And we'll uh, we'll come back in just a few minutes. Wrap this baby up. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Welcome back. Uh, our sincere appreciation to uh, Carol uh, yes. Robinson, Brian Lawson for coming on and uh, discussing the wild and wonderful uh, whites of, you know. Yeah, have you ever seen that documentary, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia? No. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, it's, uh, it is pretty <laughs> okay. wild. Uh, it's uh, it's basically uh, uh, it takes one family uh, up in the hills of West Virginia and um, and they kind of look at the effects of uh, the opioid epidemic uh, oh. and methamphetamine and okay. stuff on, on on that family and and what mm. you know what life is like and uh, mm. they're it's insane. There are some things that take place there that are just insane and but not unlike something that would probably happen in the uh, in the backwoods of Lauderdale County mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. or Limestone County or Sand you know, pretty much any of our counties in yeah. Alabama. Yeah. Um, but um, you know it's a uh, you know that that was a uh, it's it's easy to get caught up in the spectacle of what took place with those guys with those folks and it's 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 hard to, to remember that you know, real life was, was involved yep. in that. And, you know, Try one thing I, I wish I would have asked uh, them uh, before I let them go there was uh, if anybody had any clue about yet about the, uh, uh, him calling her, his wife, you know, when he, when he jumped out of the car, he said, my wife has been, is, is shot. Please help her. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and so I'm, I'm wondering if there was a marriage that took place somewhere in there uh, that no one knew about. Uh, oh, so know. was, the, Hey, I hadn't even thought about that. So this yeah. is the honeymoon perhaps. Yeah, it could have been, could have been the honeymoon, uh, um, you know, and um, I don't know. Uh, it could have wow. been. Wow, that's yeah. even more tragic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how closely such things are monitored uh, in prison. Uh, I would have assumed prior to this that things were much more closely monitored than mm-hmm. apparently they were, uh, mm-hmm. and that it was much more difficult to get somebody, uh, especially a accused murderer. Uh, out of uh, out of jail to just ride around in the car with, uh, yeah. but um, that was apparently not the case, and so uh, I don't know. But uh, it's a tragic, tragic story, and uh, we we're going to talk about um, other things. And and you wrote a column uh, this this week um, uh, about the abortion issue and um, uh, and having a much more meaningful conversation uh, about that, and um, you know, and. Uh, um, you know what, what gets me a lot, and it's what I thought while I was reading it, is, you know, we used to strive for intelligence um, over feeling. 
Mm. Um, and, and you know that used that used to be a goal. And a lot of you read if you you read back and you watch old TV shows and you watch um, you know old news programs and you watch and you read things that that took place uh, you know years and years ago. Um, one of the things we we used to put a lot of stock in was intelligence and um and in and in relying upon intelligent people we we you know put them up on a pedestal people that uh, you know were educated and and spoke well and and could uh, could do you know intelligent things um and that we've replaced that a lot with feeling now and and yep. and a lot with uh, who makes us feel good about whatever the hell it is we believe um and have gone away from that and i think your column would kind of spoke to that actually well you know well thank you for that and I, and i'll say you know i think one thing i've learned from talking both to Dr. Uh, Sanithia Williams and to her uh, her partner, uh, and when I say partner, I mean that in a uh, business sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Uh, Yashika Robinson, uh, you know, I've interviewed both of them, and you know they're the ones they're they're the doctors at the Alabama Women's Wellness Center, yes. and you know what I get from both of them is really that there is really no. There's no real thoughtful, medically sound, clinically sound, scientifically sound conversation going on about abortion. Mm-hmm. These are two women who are who are not only are they doctors, they are self-identified Christians mm-hmm. who believe strongly that the right to abortion is consistent with what we should be pursuing as a as a society that purports to be a christian society or or even just a decent society yeah what are you talking and, about, David? Uh, God never killed any children. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like with bears or anything? See, some of that Sunday school is coming up there. I see, I see you, Josh. I see you in your Sunday school. But you know, the interesting thing is, and I know this is sort of a this is this is a, a an important tangent to this discussion, which is why I I'm glad you actually said what you said. You know that prior to 1979, the the people that we identify as the religious right like the Southern Baptist Convention and others, it's documented that they supported Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. They supported it. Mm -hmm. They supported the right of women to have access to abortion services. Now, I'm not saying that they were, you know, uh, of a mindset that, uh, yeah, just if you get pregnant, all you got to do is abort the baby and everything's fine. I'm not saying that was their position. But they understood the value of having access to abortion in our society. And the only thing that changed, honestly, with them, was the politics of it. That's the only that's thing a, that changed. I said, you're 100% right. Listen, a Nixon appointee wrote the, wrote the uh, opinion in Roe v. Wade. Um, uh, mm-hmm. When it was confirmed in Casey, uh, what, in the late 80s, um, uh, a court, a Reagan appointee, um, wrote it. And, and, the, and the court was comprised of eight Justices, eight justices mm-hmm. appointed by Republican presidents. So the idea now that abortion rights are somehow, uh, you know, a step too far or extremism 
is in of itself an extremist position. Okay, mm-hmm. it's an extreme right position that has that has taken place. This transformation that has taken place after people figured out that this was an emotional hot button issue that Republicans could rely on, because God knows they don't have any damn policy issues that actually help people, <laughs> so they've got to rely on shit like this. And mm-hmm. so that's what's transpired over the course of the year, oh, oh, so many years. Um, and and you know, I you, you're right. I mean, it's just, but it's. You know, the what gets me is are these conversations where we lump everything together, you know, where a gun it's your gun control. Everything that you want to do is gun control. If I say to you that I don't listen, I think it might be a good idea if maybe we run a background check that's a little more thorough on everybody, you know, and so these people who shouldn't own guns, oh, uh, I don't well that's I'm oh, you're for gun control? Well, I mean, not really. I mean, I just, you know, do you want this guy to have the gun? You know, I mean, it's, right. you know, everybody knows somebody who owns guns who you think that somebody should not own a gun. He shouldn't <laughs> own a stick. You know, I, I mean, honest to God, we all know that person. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. You've been around people who, when they show up with a gun, you're like, all right, I'm out. We'll see y'all later. You know, and, and, and you know it. And, but we, we lump it all together because that's what you need to do stupid things like this, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with abortion. We have so much science now and think we shouldn't be deciding this on this arbitrary basis of stuff. We know we could we could go right now and, and determine when, uh, when you talk about the heartbeats and the this and this and this or whatever, we could go right now and, and come up with a better scientific determination of when that fetus becomes a child in, mm-hmm. inside the womb. We know this. We could do this. We could base it on brain activity, on pain feel, on, on any number of aspects that would be more scientific and, and determinative of, of this. And, and we could do it today and we could make, you know, we could leave exceptions for different things, for the for pregnancies that endanger the mother, for all these, all these different things we could do right. and make it more scientific and take the emotion out of it. But if you don't want to take the emotion out of it, because that's what gets you votes. Exactly. Exactly. And so once again, what we're doing is we are just like with the trans kids issue and just like with prisons and other issues, we are basically, you know, uh, the powers that be, the political elite are building their power bases, their political, uh, their political careers on the backs of real people. Mm-hmm. who are dealing with challenging situations, you know, uh, and as it relates to abortion, you know, we have women who have fetuses inside of them that don't have skulls sometimes or kidneys or, or limbs, mm-hmm. you know, that have these really horrific genetic, uh, uh, you know, abnormalities and, um, or, or who have very serious conditions themselves and and what we have is a nation right now that's moving in a direction that would say, well, the hell with all of that. We don't care. Yeah. You know, yeah. we just you just got to you have got to have that baby no matter what. You know, yeah. oh, listen, there were two there were two crazy. states in the last week that, that wanted to, to remove the exceptions for ectopic pregnancies. What, yeah. what yeah. are you talking about, it's man? It's insane. It's, insane. It's, it's just it's a punishment for women for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a what it. They're not going to survive. They're not yeah. going to survive outside of, of that body. And, and yeah. you're going to force this uh, poor. I mean, and you know, I'll tell you, man, I, I read and Twitter is can be an awful place, but I read something uh, this week that 
that made, you know, was, I think, one of those arguments that, one of those common sense arguments that, that Democrats uh, and pe- pro-life people, not just Democrats, there's a lot of uh, pro-choice, uh, you know, conservatives and, and Republicans out mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it said, if I walk into an adoption agency tomorrow with a 14-year-old and say, this 14-year-old would like to, or if a 14-year-old just walks in there by themselves and says, I would like to adopt a child. We would not allow that to take place because right. the 14-year-old is not mature enough or responsible enough to do so. And yet, we are now passing laws that would force a 14-year-old to carry a child to term and have that baby. Mm. And mm-hmm. no matter who, what the situation was in which that pregnancy occurred, I, oh, yeah. what, you know, that those two things don't go together, you nope. know. That, nope. that that doesn't make sense. Nope. So we can't do this. We we can't. You can't. That's that doesn't make sense. It's not a it's not a sustainable way of life. It's not. Nope. Nope. It is absolutely not sustainable, and it's inhumane. And and for the record, I'm going to also add before we go to our next topic. For those who claim to be Christian, it is absolutely the antithesis of Christian to do that, to subject a person to that kind of anguish, Mm -hmm. psychological and spiritual anguish. And yet, for some reason, for some reason, the people, you know, you know, a lot of these church going folks, you know, that 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 I know and that, you know, they they seem to feel like that's okay. Uh, But I just it astounds me. Well, Listen, let's be honest about this, too. Um, a lot of the uh, Christian support for uh, the pro-life stance is based on money. Um, this has brought a ton of money into a lot of churches uh, mm. around here um, and around the, around the world, or, around the, or at least around the country. Um, and they have they have flourished with this stance uh, and the and this these political positions, um, and um, you know and so they have a vested interest. Now, I'm not I'm not questioning necessarily people's beliefs, but I am questioning uh, this dr- drastic change that took place, like that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, this drastic and dramatic change that took place. Um, after the passage of Roe v. Wade and and what took place, and um, you know, it just it, it just is a uh, I, I think it's it, we we we've we've relied on the emotion too much to me, and well, you know, I think I think what you're saying is very true when you when you talk about some of the um, I guess some of the the original leaders in this transition, mm-hmm. like Jerry Falwell and. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, Paul Weirich and those people, mm-hmm. but and James and perhaps even James Dobson, even though he doesn't lead a church, he was you know very very influential in religious circles. Pat Robertson, yeah. those kind of people, that's probably very true. But for the rank and file, I think they've been indoctrinated. I oh, think yeah, they've been absolutely. indoctrinated, and I don't think yeah. they see this as a money issue. I think many of them truly believe that. Uh, you know, that there is some biblical justification or theological justification for this. But yet, you know, when you, you know, when you look again at what those leaders 
prior to 1979, what the leaders used to say is, uh, yeah, there's no biblical justification for, you know, Mm -hmm. banning abortion. You know, there's no biblical prohibition against it. And I'm certainly, I mean, I've, I've been in church, you know, for over 50 years and I'm not aware of any uh, explicit uh, biblical prohibition. Some people will say thou shall not kill, but you mm-hmm. know, you start going down that road and then like yeah. you said, then we got to start talking about she bears and other stuff. So, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you can't just, you know, that's, that's an yeah. oversimplification, you know, yeah. which again yeah. was really the point of my column. I just think, you know, so much of our conversation about this is bereft of facts and context. And it's just, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to dumb it down to the best possible sound bite or, or, mm-hmm. or comeback that we can come up with, you know? Yeah. Listen, man, I'm so sick of people that, that just believe everything can be boiled down to a sentence, you know, mm-hmm. or a bumper sticker mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, on complicated issues. And, and you can't do that. And you can't, you've got to, you know, people know a lot. And this, you know, I posted something on Facebook about this, about the hypocrisy of so many people that I know personally, you know, that mm-hmm. I personally know who have, um, uh, taken advantage of, I will say that way, of our abortion laws as they currently are prior to the Supreme Court decision uh, that's probably going to come out. Um, I, I mean, I know them. I know yeah. what they did. I was in high school with you. I you know, I know what happened. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know that both the, the girl and the guy, you know, what, yeah. what took place, you know? I mean, it just, and now this holier than thou horseshit that you, you know, you see from these folks that they have, you know, they've gone on in life and, and have, you know, had careers and lives and, and families now that have flourished, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because of, uh, of the decisions that they made earlier, uh, in life. And listen, there are some that, that chose a different way and they also were doing well. And so it's a, it's a matter of choice, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that it's, it's a nuanced thing for people. And I wish that we could just get to that, just get to the, Hey, you know, I'm not, I don't know them. You know that may be what's best for them, and, and you know it's it's up to them on this. I can't right. I can't get involved in that situation. Uh, right. But you know we just we just don't do that, and so yeah. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of laws, um, we uh, I wrote a, I wrote another story this week about uh, gambling and um, about what's kind of taking place, and uh, I, I focused on Green County, but this is going this. Some form of this is taking place in a lot of uh, places around um, the the state at this point, and uh, this one was about uh, it was a casino in Greene County that is basically allow allowing people to play mobile games uh, on their you know gambling mobily on their phones. Hmm. Uh, you have to go in and, and insert you know they they put your player profile into the system and uh, log you into the uh, uh, into the website and then you put credits in just like you would on any other gaming site in Las Vegas or wherever and uh, you can play the all the same games that they have on the floor uh, of the casino right from your phone wherever you are yeah. um, you know I literally watched somebody play it in Montgomery yeah. uh, so uh, you know it's uh, it was happening and you know that this is what's taking place out there 
Um, and, you know, for people who continue on this, well, we can't have gambling in the state. You've already got gambling. You've got so much <laughs> gambling in this state that you just about honestly passing laws to legalize gambling would probably restrict the gambling. You know, you would probably have less gambling than what we have now. Uh, I mean, it is unbelievable. And I, I, let me name it off some of the places. Uh, Green County has, has a number of casinos and things that are, that are happening. Jefferson County. It is a hotbed of of gambling activity at this point, and not just at the Birmingham Racecourse. Outside of that, there are mm. uh, probably about a dozen places around Jefferson County you can go and gamble. Uh, Walker County, that's right, Walker County, mm. uh, you can go and gamble. I don't know if you'd want to, but you could. <laughs> uh, you could probably also get your oil changed and wash your clothes while you're there. Um, and you know, uh, Mobile. Uh, it's another place. Uh, there are some places in the Black Belt where you can go. Uh, there are some one. places over in the Wiregrass where you can go. Uh, there's some place. There's a, a nice facility over in Jackson uh, County, uh, which you know may or may not be advertising at this point. Um, yeah. And so, uh, I, I was at a place in Lowndes County uh, uh, not too just a few yeah. weeks back. Uh, casino. In fact, there were two of them on the same mm-hmm. road, and yep. uh, so we went in one of them. Uh, to well, to use the bathroom mainly, but, uh, <laughs> but we go inside of there. That's and what I mean, they all say. <laughs> and I mean, it was the middle of the freaking day, man, and yep. people were at those at those yep. uh, one arm. Uh, what do they call them? One arm jacks. One arm bandit things. Yeah, yeah. They were at those uh, slot machines and other mm-hmm. things and. Yeah. Well, you those know, are I electronic mean, bingo machines, not slot machines. Oh, uh, I'm but, sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, that's I don't right. Know the, that's right. I don't know. That's, the uh, they're completely different. Okay. Uh, now, I mean, in, in reality, they. In, in reality, they are. I was being sarcastic, but they they are. You know, a little different in the way that they're played. You do have to have other people play in, and you know, they, they get around the laws that way, and there are federal statutes and whatnot. And I know way too much about this stuff. Uh, but it's. Um, so yeah, man, you're hundred yeah. percent right. They're they're during the middle of the day. They're playing over there, but you know, everybody would when they they put this comprehensive bill out uh, that they tried to pass the last two sessions, right? Um, and those uh, the bills that they were trying to pass would have legalized gambling at the the four dog tracks uh, and in Lowndes County. All right, and there's a reason for that. Okay, uh, and I'll say uh, Macon Green. And um, and Lowndes all have electronic bingo amendments. Okay, they have bingo amendments that were passed post electronic bingo coming into being a thing, and all of those amendments were passed with the express intent on establishing electronic bingo. You go back and you look at all the materials during the uh, the campaigns for those things. They were all talking about electronic bingo and Las Vegas style casino uh, games and all this kind of stuff. So all of those were, were legit. Uh, Jefferson County has a paramutual racing with the horse races and the dog track there. Uh, Mobile has paramutual with the dog track. So there's a reason why they were putting casinos and are allowing casinos to be in these places. And the reason for that is, first of all, you have the laws that are there in place. The other reason why they put it on, they selected Green Track, Victory Land, Birmingham Racecourse, Mobile Greyhound Park, and one of the facilities in Lowndes is because the owners of those facilities have been doing business in the state for a long period of time. And no matter the disagreements on on the legality overall uh, of gaming in those establishments, 
they have at least tried to follow the laws that they believe were on the books and that their local sheriffs and, and local uh, uh, officials have told them is what they should be following. And I can give you some examples. The Birmingham Race Course, for example, believed initially that they could play electronic bingo there. Uh, the court ruled against them. They removed the electronic bingo machines from there and went to the attorney general and requested that they be allowed to play uh, historical horse race games. Uh, you know, basically, it kind of looks like slot machines, but they're based upon horse races that have already occurred. Mm. Uh, the attorney general reviewed the machines, and this was Bill Pryor, and said, yes, Steve Marshall confirmed the opinion more recently. So they put those machines in. Mobile, which is primarily owned by the Porch Creek Indians, requested to do the same because they could hold paramutual wagering at their facility down there. They were denied. They didn't put them in. Uh, Victory Land had electronic games that the attorney general told them at one point did not meet the specifications of the federal government that the, that the Porch Creek Indians were using at their facilities. They removed, uh, I want to say it was like 6,000 machines at wow. their expense and replaced them with other machines. Wow. So those places, and Green Track has done the same. Green Track wanted, I'll give you a great example of a more recent one, uh, that kind of ties into what was happening at the casino over there with the mobile gaming. Green Track wanted to play, to allow people to play electronic bingo from the parking lot during COVID. Their attorneys came in and reviewed the statutes in the county and said, no, uh, the statutes read that you must be inside the facility to participate. They didn't do it. Now, at the same time that they're following these laws, you have other casinos in that same county that are allowing people to play on their mobile phone somewhere. Mm. Uh, now, after we ran the uh, or ran a story about this, they stopped doing that. But you know, it's just the the, the idiocy of this is astounding to me. And, you know, and and we've got to start looking at it uh, more realistically and and regulate this thing. Get the billion dollars that we're going to take off this thing every year. Crack down on the rest of it, and let's be done with this, for yeah. God's sakes. I, I just, that's killing me, man. It's it, just driving me nuts. Yeah, it's been dragging on for years. I mean, we've been <laughs> we've been dealing with gambling legislation, what, every year for, has it been 10 consecutive years yet? Seems like it has. Oh, hell, <laughs> 10. <laughs> it's ten. been 40, my man. <laughs> oh, consecutive yeah. years? Consecutive? Uh, I've... There have been, there's usually something uh, gambling related uh, that has been on the books for, I mean, whether it be the local legislation or whether it be uh, something from the state level. Uh, there, I mean, I can track you back into the late 80s when they established some of the dog, or actually into the late 70s when they, you know, first established Green Track and then uh, the Mobile or the Mobile Grand Park, then Green Track, then, uh, then Victory Land in the 80s. Mm. Um, then, you know, and then it just went on and on and on. And they've tried to do electronic gaming. They've tried to do all sorts of different things, all you know, for numerous years, um, and to to establish some form of uh, of uniformity in this and regulation, and to get the taxes off of it. And I mean, we're losing so much money off of these things. And you know, if you doubt that, just look at the amount of money that the Port Creek Indians have made off of yeah, these things. Man. You know, they've got three very nice facilities. Um, didn't start out that way. Started out in basically house trailers, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, and that's what they've grown into. Now they own casinos all around the world and uh, help manage casinos, and uh, that's part of the profit off of this that we could have been taken if we had been a little smarter, um, you know, with the way that we've handled this. But we're just not. We're just and I'll not tell very you, smart. Uh, 
Dude, you bring up the Porch Creek Indians. I mean, downtown Huntsville and uh, the Redstone Arsenal area would be uh, a lot less developed were yes. it not for Porch Creek Indian money, which again goes back to what gambling for the yes. for the most part. Yeah, yeah. No, it does, man. And, and listen, you know, there we've missed. I did. I've done. I've done some stories, and you know, we some for some reason, and there really was just one person there that uh, decided that I was anti-Porch Creek or something's nonsense, which I've never, ever been. I always admired what they had done and, and was, you know, I, listen, I'll tell you this right now, and I'll go to my grave with this. Um, if I see uh, a Native American flourishing in any industry in, in America, I mm-hmm. am happy for them, okay? Because mm-hmm. I know, I've read the history, I know the history I, uh, of, of most, and especially around in this area and, and what happened with the Creek Nation. Uh, hey, God bless you. Make Amen. your money, okay? Um, but, you know, it, it's it's really a lot of, uh, a lot of racism has has held us back too. I believe, I personally believe, a lot of racism against the Native Americans has held us back from embracing them more and doing more with them in different areas. I I feel like in talking to them, they would have been very willing participants in a number of different ventures around the state, uh, would have funded a number of different things had the state been more willing to cooperate with them at times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they are, to their credit, uh, even though it's going to invite competition to uh, with them, uh, for them, uh, they're they're pushing this comprehensive thing too that that would is going to go a long way towards helping some uh, some counties that are very economically depressed and, and making and, and green in particular, um, and and Lowndes uh, and Lowndes County will help them as well. And I, I just it's um, I wish that we would just be smarter about this and stop this nonsense and and look yep. at gambling as the business that it is. I mean, it's all it is is business. I mean, yep. you know, stop this. Um, all right, right wing nut, and we'll wrap this thing up. Speaking of not being smart, Tim James, right wing <laughs> nut of the week. Uh, uh, man, we listen, this this ties together all sorts of stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, the anti gambling, not being smart churches. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tim James was uh, visit, uh visited uh, a church in Rainsville, was a guest speaker, uh, this past weekend, and uh, you know, which just in and of itself doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. You know, the why why is a, a candidate for office, a current candidate for office speaking at your church? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you want to if he wants to hold a, an event outside or something and, and you know, but why why are you inviting somebody like that to, to be at your yep. church? And uh you know, I mean and I'm not saying not just like Tim John, anybody, you know, whoever. Yeah. Uh you know, Neil Rafferty. You know, why yeah. are you inviting Neil to speak at your church? You know, and why are you inviting Tim James to speak during during a campaign at your church? Right. Um, and he went on a tangent about visiting Richmond, Virginia, of all the damn places. You know, the liberal bastion yeah, that is Richmond, say. Virginia. Uh, <laughs> and talked about seeing people with mohawks and earrings and tattoos uh, and what a bunch of weirdos they were. And it was just a freak show. And uh, <laughs> so uh, in response to complaints apparently from the members of the church, which yeah. good for the people of Rainsville. Um, they uh, they took the video down and issued an apology and talked about how they are a church that stands for unity and uh, and bringing people together and um, 
And and Tim, I apologize for inviting Tim James and for allowing him to go on such a tangent uh, there and then said he did not speak for their church. Um, well, like you said, Josh, good for them. But doesn't it raise the question if the church and I, you know, far be it for me to. Yeah, I want to be careful here because I go to church and all of this. But oh, your pastor's I, listening. Your pastor's listening. Be careful. Why a church that would have those kinds of sensitivities and that level of awareness would invite, of all people, Tim James? I know. I mean, don't you know that what you see is what you're going to get? Yep. That's yep. his mo. He yeah. he was being Tim James. He wasn't masquerading as somebody else. He was being himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the same dude who was just attacking children the week before, you know? Yes, yes. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I here? know. Uh, That's how he sees uh, the world. That's his worldview. So, of course, he's going to, I mean, I, I would have I assumed that if he hadn't been talking about people with mohawks and piercings in Richmond, Virginia, that he'd have been attacking the children at that academy in Birmingham again yeah. or something. I mean, and he probably did during that same speech. I would I'm, imagine. I'm sure he probably said something awful about them or somebody else. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, uh, the only life that's normal is Tim's life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've met Tim a number of times. I've talked to Tim yeah. uh, a number of times. Um, he believes this nonsense, man, um, and uh, and that's his that's his right. He can believe this nonsense all he wants to. Um, yeah. You know, he's always been cordial with me. Of course, you know, I I look normal. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. have any earrings or tattoos or uh, you know mohawks. Yeah. Uh, well, but well, well, to his credit, I'm sure that when I met him, I had earrings, but he treated me just fine anyway. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it's just. Um, you know, I, there's there's a golden rule that I was always taught that uh, seems to have slipped past a lot of people that uh, that are you know in in our uh, Christian faith, and uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, you know to treat others the way that you would like to be treated, and exactly. um, you know, and I I don't know how we how we got so far away from it, but uh, and you know. and I'll say this interestingly enough, and and I don't know maybe this is just part of the complexity of the people of Alabama, which you know maybe maybe that church there in Rainsville is a microcosm of this complexity, but it doesn't seem to be helping him in the polls. Yeah, you know now he. Well, may I don't end, know. Well, he may know. end up in a runoff with KIV, yeah. but 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 it's only going to be because she wasn't able to hit that that fifty one percent. Yeah. Because she's up like 40, she's got 40 points to his 17 right now. Yeah, but you know, she keeps dropping, man. You know, she was uh, she was yeah. in, uh, in in the high 50s, then she was low 50s, and mm. uh, now she's in the end of the almost mid 40s. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he and uh, and Lindy Blanchard, uh, I, I, and I'll be honest with you, uh, probably the most disappointing candidate for me in this, in this Republican primary for governor is Lindy Blanchard. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Lindy Blanchard has a tremendous story of, of helpfulness and uh, tragedy and overcoming tragedy and dealing with tragedy in a very positive way uh, after they, they lost a child. And, um, and, and she started an adoption agency that helps kids around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have put millions of their own dollars into this. And, did you know about this before I just mentioned it? No. Yeah. See, no. I, I don't. I don't know why in the world this is not. This is not front and center. Uh, I mean, it would. But it would draw so many people in. 
But isn't that because she doesn't want it to be what she no, wants so to I'm be? I'm certain. I mean, yeah. I, I'm assuming it's her handlers, you know, that have yeah. got to be all Trump and tough and, you know, and exactly. attack and all this. And, you know, yeah, and exactly. I, I just think that in this race where you can't separate Tim James from her, if she had gone at least in a portion of those ads and talked about this and, and you know, and done some interviews about it. And, and listen, I don't want to get into her personal life. Maybe it's too painful for her to do that. And I certainly understand that. And I'm not trying to uh, belittle her for, for not, but I mean, God, it's such a good story, man. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, they've helped, they've helped so many kids, so many kids and nobody knows anything about it. Nothing about it at all. And, you know, and, and I say that maybe she made a decision that she didn't want to politicize that part of her life, which if that's the case, then okay. Could but, be. I mean, you know, I just, God, it, it is such a good story and I wish somebody would, you know, she would talk about it. So, mm. you know, hey, you know what? I may call her just say, hey, listen, I'd like to talk to you about this. Yeah, I don't want to talk happens. anything at all about your damn campaign. Right. And uh, we'll do that. See what she says. But yeah. I'll, say, I'll say this before we get out of here. Um, I, I understand what you're saying about K.I.V. dropping in the polls. I wonder if that's just fatigue, you know, uh, because it, there's no reason to believe that she's not going to dominate the Republican primary. Yeah. And, and I still think that if you have Tim James and K.I.V. in a runoff, well, history shows, if you do, that Tim James doesn't have a chance in hell of winning. But, yep. but, but I just, I, I think when you compare the messages of the two, you know, she presents, you know, yeah, she does a lot of Trump stuff that, you know, we don't like and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but she also does present some, uh, you know, some, I'll say some productive accomplishments perhaps, or or maybe you could put those in quotes, but at least she tries to put forward something a little bit positive. All Tim James is doing is running against He's running against things. He's just, mm-hmm. this is what's wrong with Alabama. This is what Kay Ivey is doing wrong, and I'm not going to be that guy. It's just a relentlessly negative campaign. Yeah, there, are two, there are two quick things that get me. One is what happens if, you know, if, if it's Tim James or Lindy Blanchard, either one, because it seems as though they're splitting votes uh, mm-hmm. from the far right. And, and if they are truly up around 18% each and Kay Ivey's in the mid to low 40s uh, and you, you put those, you know, you, you put the, the, the combine the other votes from the from Lindy Blanchard or from Tim James to the other one, uh, then, you know, that, it, that looks like a much closer race than maybe it is. But, um, you know, what gets me uh, and I tell you, this is Kay Ivey's trouble is her best accomplishments that she's had are things that she can't run on in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, handling the pandemic fairly well uh, for a Republican governor mm-hmm. uh, and, and handling uh, the, the gas tax, which produced a lot of money that where they built up infrastructure. She can't talk about those things about expanding broadband and other infrastructure things because uh, it leads to two different options. She's either got to talk about the gas tax or she's got to give credit to Joe Biden, uh, you know, for, for also supplementing that uh, uh, the money. Uh, and, you know, and the, uh, and the thing about helping out during the pandemic, you know, will will do very well for her in the general uh, against whoever, um, uh, you know, and it's, you know, it's not, but it's not anything that she can run on right now. Right mm. now she's got to pretend like she didn't do it, you know, mm. and it's just insanity, man. It is it's insanity. just this God. All right. Speaking of insanity. All righty there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry about that. We had a lot to talk about. We did. So uh, we did. we're going to slide out of here uh, until next week. Y'all be safe out there. Peace.
Peace. <laughs>